I'm Lieutenant Joe Pangaro. I've been a cop for 27 years. I like to say I got a backstage pass to life. Well, guess what? I got some tickets for you. So come on in, pull up a chair, turn up that volume, and let's go. Chasing Justice is on. Good afternoon, my friends, and welcome to Chasing Justice. I'm your host, Lieutenant Joe Pangaro. Well, well, well. The worm has turned. But has it? So we had the dropping of the Durham report. Now, we've all been waiting for this for many, many, many years. What takes so long to conduct an investigation? Well, let me give you a little background here. The difference between a federal investigation and a regular investigation like the police in your town or your state might conduct. They come at it from different angles. A federal investigation usually starts out with gathering documents, gathering information, subpoenaing things, and then you have the investigators looking it over. Uh, then they make a, they come up with a strategy. Okay, who should we talk to? And they start really, if you think of it like an inverted pyramid. Uh, at the top are all the informational people, uh, the people who may have something to say, who know something, the evidence people, all of that, and they work their way down to the bottom, to the tip of the pyramid, which is, which is where the individual that is the target of the investigation is located. So they do all that other work in advance before they do anything else. And then they finally get down to that last person. They've done their investigation and they'd like to do an interview with the target of the investigation and go from there. By then, it could take several years. They're very, very slow federal investigations, as we can see by the Durham report. Now, in a criminal investigation in your local town, the local police, your state police, county police, sheriff's department, whatever, what you might find um, is uh, they have a crime that's taken place, even if it's a reported crime, a financial crime, uh, a fraud crime, any, any type of thing, corruption, crime, and the investigation will immediately target the uh, person or the organization that is considered to have committed the crime. The investigation moves much, much quicker. Uh, you will gather up some information, you will look at specific targets, try and get some information, and then you go right to the uh, principal of the investigation and you try and sit them down for an interview and try and get them to make an admission or give you information that you can now go investigate further and find incriminating stuff and then you charge them. If you find something that's incriminating, that they broke the law, there's probable cause that a crime was committed and they committed it, you sign a criminal complaint and then you continue your investigation after that. So your local investigation, even very serious ones, um, can take a couple of weeks. Absolutely. You might get a couple of months, depending on, you know, the nature of the investigation. But years, they don't take years. In most, in most 99% of cases, a, a state police, local police, county police, uh, the investigations do not take years and years and years to come to some kind of conclusion. So the Durham report came out. Now, what is the Durham report? Well, John Durham is a uh, supposedly a highly regarded federal prosecutor who was put on the case, appointed by uh, then uh, Attorney General Barr, to look into this uh, FBI and the DOJ and all of this uh, nonsense that went on with the Trump Russia 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 hoax hoax hoax. Right. Well, I think most of us who paid attention knew that it was nonsense. Uh, most of us knew that it wasn't true. We knew that it was made up. We got information uh, early on you know, from the people who were reporting, because most of the media, our friends on the left, 
they're not media anymore. They're not journalists anymore. We don't have, uh, we have very few of those kind of people who actually do investigative journalism. What we have now is an entire cadre of people who basically are advocates uh, for one party or another. And their stories are based around protecting or promoting that party and who they are politically. So they've been bastardized and politicized and corrupted to the point that, I mean, do you believe the news when you hear it? Unless it comes out of the mouth of the great Malcolm out loud uh, here on America out loud, uh, I don't really, I don't necessarily trust anything. We see that uh, even agencies that we consider to be, uh, for those of conservative people who consider them to be more realistic, uh, you say to yourself, well, look at all the nonsense going on there. Look what's going on at Fox News. You know, look what's going on getting rid of Tucker Carlson, uh, getting rid of bon- uh, Dan Bongino, getting rid of him, right, over the years, these people that, are, uh, that were really good. So the Durham report has come out, and basically what he, what he did... And again, I think he made a political decision that he was not going to charge anyone in this. This was going to be another layer of whitewash over the whole thing. Uh, so the one one low-level FBI guy was charged and indicted for faking up a FISA warrant. Uh, other than that, basically what he came out and said was, yeah, the FBI did the wrong thing. The DOJ did the wrong thing. Trump really didn't do anything wrong. There never should have been an investigation. There was no evidence to start an investigation, but one was started. But he pulled up uh, on, on attributing reasons for this. Basically, if you read the, uh, the, the stories that are coming out about the report, and I'm going to go through the entire report, not today, but in a future uh, episode, I will go through the whole report. Basically, what he says, yeah, uh, people were incompetent. People didn't pay attention. Uh, they didn't. They they weren't uh, holding true to their mission of looking at evidence and going wherever the evidence leads you. He pulled up short of saying they were politically motivated, that they were biased, that they wanted to get Trump at all, uh, at all costs, and they were part of that. But now that we've seen these multiple years of investigations that have come up with. Nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing. It all started, oh, it all started with uh, a political opponent's uh, information. So coming up short of saying, you know, Hillary Clinton started this whole thing, the FBI and everybody, uh, the weaponized uh, federal agencies all took that side and went after Trump, even when they knew there was nothing. But they continued. He's coming up short of saying that because... uh, you know, well, Comey's out of office. What can we do about the fact that the leader... How about coming out with a blistering, a blistering uh, finger-pointing at, well, there may be no one indicted. Here are the people who did wrong, and here's what they did wrong. You know, a much more strongly worded report. Because if you watch um, different news outlets... Well, I should change that. They're not actually news outlets. If you watch different advocacy outlets... Uh, You see the ones on the left basically saying, well, they didn't charge anybody. Nobody got arrested. There's no crime. There wasn't, they were, they did some incompetent things. They didn't investigate Trump's connection to Russia properly. That's what happened here because that's how the report appears to have come out. 
for the people on the right, uh, it's being reported as, ah, bombshell, this comes out, proof that these people did this, that, and the other thing. And this will never be settled. There will never be um, the end of the argument because of the way this was worded. You know, when it comes out and you say they didn't do their due diligence in reviewing evidence, well, that means that they had bad investigators who were stupid or incompetent, as opposed to the reality of saying, no, they looked at the evidence and they lied and they made it up and they politicized their position and they went after Trump because they were trying to affect the election. That would have been the truth. And that would have put an end to the big mouths on the left who were now going around going, so all, all he said was that they were incompetent, that they didn't do a good investigation. You know, it's really a shame that that happened. But there was, there was no bias. There was no bias. Uh, they just didn't investigate Trump properly. Had they done that, they would have found his connections to Russia. You see? So the Durham report that we all waited so many years for was politicized in and of itself from the beginning because I really think deep down here, uh, and we talk about, you know, the left and the right and who it is. It's all the deep state. And people, oh, you can't, there's no deep state. You're, oh, that's a conspiracy. No, all of these people are in this, this gray pool together, right? Um, and if you go after somebody today and you use these kind of investigative techniques and you point a finger and declare them wrong, they may do it to you in the future. So they, they really do while they argue and fight with each other and appear to take different sides. They really don't. They're all in this game together. They're gaming all of us. They game the system. They took advantage of our entire country. Uh, and basically, uh, they just kind of, they don't point fingers. They kind of just gesture in a general direction that, oh, this was, uh, you know, it's really unfortunate that this happened. This was not uh, a conclusory investigation. So that's really, that's really unfortunate for our country. So, when we, when we start to pile up all of these things that we saw happen. So let, let's, put, let's put a scale. Which way did all of the organizations, the NGOs, the federal agencies, the courts, um, the media, uh, all of these people, all of these things, we're going to put it on a scale. Did they lean to the left or did they lean to the right? Okay, so if we look at it that way, we know that right off the bat, the Hillary Clinton campaign created the whole nonsense of the dossier. It was a lie that they created about Trump. They fed this to the lapdog media who took it up and ran because this is not just not fighting the other party. This was a vitri a, a, a deep a hatred of Donald Trump and what he stood for by the deep state. Donald Trump was going to come in. He was an outsider. He was going to uh, change things, fix things, do things like a businessman uh, and not take years and years and years to, uh, to fix the ice skating rink. He was going to fix it immediately. You get people in there, you do it. Um, and they didn't want that. that. That gums up the works for them. When it takes years and years and years and they never get nothing done, they get to spend more money. They get to in, uh, enrich themselves even more. And it's just it goes on and it's, it keeps on going. And that's what they want. That's what they all want. That's why our Republican friends, when they're out of power, they don't ruffle the waves. They don't do anything like our Democrat friends do. They're brutal. Our Republican friends are just happy to have these really cushy gigs where, you know, hey, they get great lifestyle. They rake in millions of dollars personally to enrich themselves. 
and they don't really do anything for us. They don't fight for us. They kind of sit back and, you know, well, it's not right, and we're going to go after, and then, they, you know, they, they fall apart. They went after uh, Trump when they could have backed him because they, they knew this stuff was all fake. I think everybody there knew it was fake, but it provided the cover that they all needed to get rid of Trump. And that's the people on the right and the people on the left. They didn't like him. There is a, a, a such a deep-seated hatred of this person that everything that we treasure in this country, the rule of law, a real sense of truth and justice, all of it was damaged and destroyed, probably irrevocably, uh, if not for many, many years. How is it going to come back? How does the genie come back into the bottle of truth and justice and rule of law. Now we clearly have a multi-layered justice system. If you're of the correct political party, you will not suffer any consequences. And if you do, they will be very mild. Uh, if you are on the wrong political party, they will raid your house in the middle of the night with armed uh, officers, uh, frogmen coming up out of the water, helicopters, 35 uh, different uh, vehicles showing up at your house to drag you out in front of your wife and your children because you're not on the right side of the issue, right? Is this, this is not, this is no longer America. Now I posited a while ago um, in one of our episodes here when I was talking, I made the point that I think that, you know, America's changing, it's gonna fall apart, it's gonna do, it's, gonna, it's already happened, is my point. It has already happened. The America we have today is not even the America I grew up in when I was born in the, in the early 1960s. Uh, and growing up through the 70s and the 80s. That America doesn't exist anymore. That America doesn't exist anymore. There's no, there's no truth and justice. You can't count on any of the organizations that we count on to help us maintain our system of freedom and justice and liberty here in America. Those things are all corrupted now. They're all gone. What politician can you trust to tell you the truth if there is some benefit to them? Will they twist it? Will they do something different to get the benefit for themselves and, you know, put you off? Well, we've seen that. Haven't we seen that for years? If we only had the Congress, we could make a difference. And we give them the Congress. And then they say, well, we need the Senate, too. And then we give them the Senate. And they do nothing. They say, well, we need the presidency. We give it all. And then there's 9,000 excuses why they can't do anything then. Right? It is frustrating as an American uh, let me phrase that differently. It is frustrating as an American who has lived most of my life. As me and Miss Kathy say around here, we're in the fourth quarter now. You know, uh, we both hit 60. We're in the fourth quarter of life. And, you know, we hope it's a nice, smooth fourth quarter. We hope we finish the game strong uh, and do the right thing and be able to enjoy some life and enjoy our children and grandchildren. Uh, but the reality is my children and grandchildren will be here after we're gone, and they have to deal with this America, this screwed up, corrupted America that will be left to them. And for all of us out there, and I, and I speak to everybody my, my age bracket and younger, that has, that has done this, that has allowed this to happen because of how we vote. You know, we vote, but we go back and forth and back and forth, and we don't pay attention we don't understand the realities of economic policy. We don't understand the Constitution. We don't understand the value of the rule of law. And we just let all these things go as long as it fits what we want to believe. Right? This is the biggest, this is the biggest problem I see 
with all of us out there. And we have allowed this to happen. We have, we have taken the torch of freedom and liberty from generations past that fought and died and bled to give us this most beautiful country on earth. And we have squandered it away. We have squandered it away. We have let it fall apart. We now have not just liberalism, we now have socialism and communists knocking at our door. We see the world ganging up around us to displace us from that number one spot. And we have about half the people in the country who agree that that's the right thing to do. America shouldn't be this big, powerful place. It's racist. It's horrible. It's rotten. So it's better if the Chinese and the Russians run the world uh, because at least they're pure and right. Right? We've allowed this to happen. And the Durham report is simply the latest example. So let's get back to our scale now. So everything goes on the left. So it leans to the left on the scale of justice. Hillary Clinton's campaign made up the lie, fed it to the media who ran with it incessantly. When truthful people came up, they were ignored. They were shouted down. They were called names. They were canceled. Uh, they They were attacked and sometimes prosecuted. Then we had the federal agencies. We had our FBI and Department of Justice who should be straight down the middle, follow the facts, just the facts, ma'am, just the facts, wherever the facts take me. That's where our law enforcement agencies should be. Now, the men and women of these agencies, the, the working investigators, you know, every, as everyone has said, they don't, they're not political. They don't make the decisions of, of what is going to be uh, investigated and what not, what's not going to be investigated. The people who do that are the people who are the political appointees at the top, and they have a political agenda now. Now, the, the FBI has unbelievable power, as the federal government does. You know the old saying, you can't fight City Hall. Well, you can't fight City Hall because you don't have any real power uh, to fight them. They have more money than you. They have all the rules and the laws on their side. Uh, and you, but you really can't fight the federal government, right? You can't. Most of most people charged federally with any kind of a crime take a plea because you, you know, how are you going to go against the United States government? You have enough money for that? They're talking about um, the case of this uh, ex, uh, former Marine in New York that was charged with uh, man two, manslaughter two, uh, because he was uh, stopping a dangerous person on the, on the subway. And uh, very unfortunately, the man died from the encounter. And now they've decided that to, to prevent the city from burning to the ground, uh, they better charge this guy. Okay, so they charge him, manslaughter too. And he's raised all, so, so far $2 million uh, crowdfunding for this guy to give him a, a legal defense. And you have people on the right and on the left who are saying, eh, I don't know that this guy's you know guilty. Did he intend to kill this guy? Or was he trying to stop a madman on the subway from hurting people? And the man died. And that's very unfortunate. Nobody should die in an encounter like that. But nobody should start the encounter by endangering people and being a madman on the subway. See, we're forgetting that side of the argument. right? It always comes down on that left side of the scale. So this young man has raised all this money, but he's going to need millions of dollars to fight the, uh, the charges. And they want to put him in jail for seven years. right? So that's my point, is that you can't fight the federal government. If they come after you for something you're going to uh, probably be forced to take some kind of a plea. <coughs> Excuse me. Because you cannot, you cannot match the, the finances of what it takes to go to court with a good lawyer. Right? 
So that stuff's there. The media all piled on. The federal agencies all piled on. Um, the experts, the 51 experts, former uh, superstars in the Intelligence Bureau, they lied, uh, produced a letter with their signatures on it. That was a lie that was made up by uh, the guy out of the Biden administration. <coughs> Sorry about that. I got this tickle in my throat. All this pollen in the air is ridiculous. So that was uh, all ba based on that. Side. So what was on the right side of the scale? Well, let's see. We had we had the truth which means nothing anymore. Uh, we had people who were willing to come forward, you know, whistleblowers. Didn't they love whistleblowers when it was against Trump? When the whole thing, now, now, now it's in perspective now. The whole thing against Trump with the Russia, 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 the Mueller investigation, all of it was now at least, at the very least, proven to be nonsense, made up, and lies. But... They had all of these uh, these whistleblowers come, and they loved whistleblowers. Anonymous people in the night who whispered, Trump is bad, Trump is bad, he did bad things. These people had the greatest credibility. They were lauded as heroes. Now we have whistleblowers coming forward saying, uh, Biden is corrupt, uh, the Justice Department is corrupt, this is corrupt. And that, which these, people are, these people are just uh, conspiracy nuts, right-wing nuts who want to uh, lie. Now they're bad. Now, now these, so pile that on the left side of the scale, right? So where is the things on the right besides the, the truth, which was there? Trump said it wasn't true. Uh, a lot of people who, who saw it for what it was said it's not true, but we were screamed down. We were yelled down. We were put in place, in our place, to shut up and go away. So the scale tilts very, very far to the left. Uh, Durham's report came up short of saying that. Basically, he said, yeah, there were a, lot of a lot of mistakes, a lot of incompetency. That's what happened here. There was, there, there seemed to be no bias. Uh, that was not their, that was not their thing. That's why we don't charge anybody. Nobody did anything criminally. And if they did, they're out of office now. It don't matter. Uh, let's just get past this now and move on. That does our country absolutely no good. In fact, it adds to the harm that's been done. So when I look at this, this entire situation as an American, as a uh, senior American, not senior citizen yet, I think that's at 65, but I'm a, I'm a, more, a veteran. I am a veteran citizen. I am a uh, seasoned citizen, right? I've, I've been here a long time now, 60 years. I am sorry of what my generation has allowed uh, to be passed on to the next generations. We have failed our children and grandchildren. Uh, and maybe, maybe not you and me personally. Maybe you and me personally voted the right way in every election. We voted to do what was right. We voted to support good people. We, we voted to put criminals in prison so we could be safe. We voted to uh, keep the taxes low so that we can afford after our hard work to do things with our family and provide for our families. Maybe you and I did that. Maybe you and I voted for people who would stand up for America. Maybe you and I voted for people that uh, would try and fight corruption. But you know what? Enough of our brothers and sisters in this country did not vote for those people. Instead, they voted for people who brought us to where we are today. So if it sounds like I'm, I'm passing the buck on blame... I am and I'm not. Number one, I voted the right way, I believe, in, in, in all elections. Right down to dog catcher. Who would do the best for the community without any political bias? I voted across lines at times when I thought the candidate on the other party would be better for my community. I have done that. Uh, 
Um, so I'm trying to be realistic. So I'm passing the buck in that way in that I did not do more. I did not stand up more. I talk on a microphone. I voice my opinion. Uh, I try to bring things out there. Obviously, it doesn't do a lot of good. I remember Rush Limbaugh, who had millions and millions and millions of listeners. To this very day, he has people who, uh, who adore him. Um, he tried, and he, they told him he had all this power. And we still had a Bill Clinton. We still had Barack Obama. We still have Joe Biden. Right? So it, the voices don't do a lot. And I, I, for that, I feel bad that I, I didn't do more. Maybe I should have run for office. I don't know. Um, maybe I should have spoken to more people. But all I can do now is speak. So passing the buck that way, I tried to do the right things. I think I voted properly for my community, my family, and my country. Uh, well, many, many other people did not. And that's why we're in the boat that we're in. You know, this whole thing of going back and forth and back and forth between who's in charge is almost... Um, almost psychologically damaged. You know, if you if you vote for the conservatives because they want low taxes, a strong economy, strong military, law and order, and then when it gets everything gets good, the economy's booming, everything's going great, we have safety in our streets, this it's wonderful. Okay, let's vote for the liberal now. And then everything falls apart. And it falls apart and it falls apart bad. Okay? It falls look at look at where we are now. How bad things are right now. Because our friends on the left are in charge. Their policies are in charge. All the people who believe that they're correct are in charge. And we're seeing the results of it. And does anybody say anything about it? Do we ever look at it and go, you know what? I might be a person who really wants to, to do the best for people and, and, and give the underdog the, the biggest, strongest uh, help that I can and put them in front of the line. I want to do all of that. But maybe there's a better way to do it than the way I've been doing it. Uh, maybe the way I've been doing it is a little too much pie in the sky and not enough reality of how humans interact with each other. Maybe I should try and fix the system from within, but not from the position that I've taken. Now, wouldn't it be wonderful if our friends on the left who do this to us every single time they're in charge for a long period of time? They wreck the economy. They break down the military. There's a breakdown in law enforcement. There's crime. Just go back and look at it, Right? Just, just go back and look and see the things that have happened when they've been in charge. Which is why I, I, I see myself more as a conservative. Because I do care about people. I do want everyone to do well in this country. Every single person. Every group. Every uh, nationality. Every race. I want everyone to do really well. I want us all to be proud of our country. Right? Are there things we can change and fix? Yes, of course there are. I'm all for doing those things. But I'm not for wrecking our economy, opening our borders, and letting people pour in here that we can't take care of. That now, how many, how many people have been injured? And we're going to get into that when we come back from our little break here. But I tried to do the right thing, and I know you probably did too. But going forward, we probably have to do more. We probably have to talk to more people, make a better case for doing the right thing, for us take these pie-in-the-sky um, ideas that do not work in real life and try and put them towards things that really do work, right? That really do make the lives of Americans better, safer, more financially secure, so that we can do good things for people. All right, this is Lieutenant Joe. I'll be back in a minute with more conversation. 
world-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Go to OutloudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free, love it, or your money back, guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code out loud. Whether you're an independent, a Democrat, or a Republican, one thing remains true. Airborne viruses love us equally. You've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the advanced nasal solution, Cofix RX. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. Spray goodbye to colds and flus with a Cofix RX nasal solution cleanse. That's COFIXRX.com. Save 20% by using promo code OUTLOUD at COFIXRX.com. We are fighting the ultimate fight between good and evil. AmericaOutloud.com replaces groupthink with innovative think. Well, it was Walt Whitman, the poet, who said, Keep your face always toward the sunshine, and shadows will fall behind you. America Out Loud Talk Radio, the liberty and justice for all. We know you love the versatility and portability of the Genesis Fogger, but sometimes you just want to set it and forget it. Well, we heard you. Introducing the UX4 HOCL Atomizer. This stationary unit quietly protects you and is perfect for smaller spaces. With over a quarter million units sold in Japan, it's now available in the United States. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to see the UX4 in action and receive a 15% discount on either Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. All right, I'm back. Are you back? I'm back. So we're together again. Okay, so... We're, we're, I just talked about this uh, this itchy throat, right? And this pollen, this pollen is crazy, isn't it? Uh, how much pollen comes down, and it it inundates you. You you wash your car, and the next morning you wake up, and it's just as much pollen on there for a couple of weeks. But it's nature's way of of uh, repopulating the the plants and everything, right? So it's important, but it's uh, it's annoying, and I get this scratchy throat. I can taste the stuff, right? It's all over you, sitting outside, and you can feel it on you. You know, it's it's really annoying, and often for for many years of my life that would lead to a sinus infection you know i would get a head cold and all that stuff stuck up on there in your sinuses and i would end up uh, on medication to fight these uh these sinus infections which were terrible anybody out there that has them knows you get the headache you get the sore throat you get the dribbling oh it's disgusting well i've been taking the um healthy cell immune boost now for almost two years and in those two years I, I just don't get these things anymore. And it's it's crazy that I don't get them. And it's the only thing I can attribute it to. Because I, I remember I did an experiment. 
uh, when I first started taking it, I felt better after a couple of months. I didn't get uh, the, the infections anymore. And then I stopped taking it. And sure enough, within five, six weeks, I got a sinus infection. So I jumped back on. I haven't left since. So if you're looking for something to help uh, with your immune strength, and that's what we got to do. We got to strengthen our, our immune systems to be healthy. Uh, look at Healthy Cell, right? The immune boost. Uh, my cousin, Steven, uh, he has a sleeping problem. So I bought some of the, uh, of the uh, REM sleep product for him from Healthy Cell. He loved it. Uh, he ordered it himself, and then I called him a couple weeks ago, and I said, hey, how you doing with your sleep? And he goes, ah, I have to get more of that stuff, and I, I, you man, that stuff worked great. And I said, you know what? I bought you some, because he's also my godson. I like him, so I bought him some, and he's been taking it, and he says so far uh, his sleeping has changed within a week. He's actually getting some sleep. So I'm going to get a quote from him. I'll have him come on and talk about it a little bit, because I'm very happy that. But I'm happy with these uh, Healthy Cell products, and I want to tell you about it. All right, so we, we, were, we were going down that road about, you know, where we go. And I, know I started to sound pretty negative, right, didn't I? I think I did as, as I reflect during the break. I sit here and, you know, tap, tap my finger to my, my head and say, were you positive or were you negative there, Joe? And uh, I was a little negative because I'm frustrated and I'm upset that this is happening to our country and, and we're, not getting, we're not getting the results that we need as a country, as a, as a people, as all of us, we are falling behind. America is definitely rattling, uh, and and we're on a downward slope. Now, can we fix that? I think we can. I think we can. Uh, history has told us, uh, just like as I was railing on there about when our friends on the left take over, things go downhill and we go into the crapper. Um, eventually, people smarten up and we we'll hire somebody who's more conservative to do things, and things get better. So, is it possible things could get better? It is possible. What, what, makes, what makes it more complicated is that every time uh, we entrench people in office who don't do what's right by all of us, that don't look out for our country, that are trying to tear us down, they put more and more impediments in the way uh, so that even when the other side takes over, it's hard for them to undo things. You know, and that's why judges are so important when we talk about justice. Judges are so important. I remember uh, there was a, a complaint that there's right judges and left judges. And, 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 and John Roberts stood up and said, there are no judges to the left and no judges to the right. A judge is right down the middle. And an absurd comment um, from somebody that I can tell you most of us on the right are pretty disappointed in. Uh, we thought he was going to be a strong conservative and do because conservatism is good for everybody, right? Conservatism is not racist, as you're told. Conservatism is not for the rich, as you're told. Conservatism means conserving what's good. That's basically what it is. Conserving our way of life. Conserving your ability to earn money and take care of your family, right? That's what conservatism is about. Uh, opening the playing field for everybody is a good thing. Can we fix things? Yes, through conservative practices, because we look out for everybody. We don't pit one group against another, one person against another. We don't take people and artificially put them at the front of the line, uh, because that makes us all feel good. What we do is we realize where there are mistakes and impediments to people getting to the head of the line, no matter who they are or where they are. We try and figure that out and say, okay, how, do, how, do we, how can we fix this so that everyone has a clear shot? Now, that being said... I am not naive. I do not have rose-colored glasses. Uh, it's hard to wear rose-colored glasses anyway. You ever try it? You know, they're red. Everything looks red. It's not good. But I'm not naive. I know that people that have a lot of money have it better in life 
in many cases, they have it easier anyway. You got a lot of money, you can do a lot of things uh, that if you don't have money, you can't do. I've been in that position where I had no money, couldn't do a lot, right? As a kid, didn't have a lot. My other friends had really nice stuff. I didn't have such nice stuff. I had whatever uh, I could afford to get and work for. Um, so I know that that's true. People with money get better advantage. They get to go to better schools and therefore they have better alumni. They have better connections and they get, that's true. That's all true. It's all true. Um, it's a reality. Uh, but at the same time, that doesn't mean that somebody who comes from nothing can't build themselves up into something. Is it harder in many cases? Yes, of course it's harder, but that's okay. If you uh, apply yourself and you work really hard, chances are you're going to do much better than you would have if you didn't apply yourself. I, I have, I have friends that, that are across the spectrum of um, success levels. You know, I have friend who is really, really smart. He's a good and decent guy. Absolutely no get up and go since he's been a young person. Um, smokes pot his entire life. You know, just like oh, that's that's it's fun, man. It's my relaxation and smoking pot does not help you, all right? That slows you down and that goofs you all up. And we can go into that argument another time. But here I have this this friend who, who I care for very much, very nice man, and he could never commit to anything, right? He had great relationships with a couple of very, very nice women that he was in love with and could have made a great family with. But then it came down to the commitment. And that means I have to do things and I want to just kind of lounge, man, and relax, and he wouldn't take the, the step, and the relationships fell apart, right? And now he's here. He is, uh, sixty-two, I think, sixty-two years old. Doesn't have any relationships. Has several children, because he got several young ladies pregnant over the course of his life, and he never got to spend time with those children uh, until a couple years ago. That you know, my wife and I decided to try and do the right thing and help, and we brought his whole family and his children together with him to make a, a reunion, and we were happy to do that. That was something that made us feel good because we do love this guy. He's, he's a great guy, but he doesn't work very hard about making change. He has a career he hates, and I've tried to show him 42 different ways to change his career, especially now. How many jobs are open? You could be anything today, right? And he just will not take it. Uh, he talks about being um, uh, spiritually, uh, spiritually down and out, and I tried to tell him, hey, go to church. Get your butt back to church, go to church, and just sit there and listen to what they have to say. And and try and take some of the, the lessons that you're, they're trying to pass on to you from, uh, you know, the stories of God and God doing the right thing and how you can have a better life. And it couldn't help you, and he won't do it. He says he will do it, he says he will do it, and then he doesn't go. Then he does because, you know, that's a commitment. I have to get up, I have to go there, I have to sit there, you know, and he'd rather get high, right, and complain about his life. The other end of the spectrum, I have uh, friends who are financially uh, above and beyond whatever anybody would hope to, or to have for a lifestyle. They worked very hard to get there, no doubt about it. They were not those people and things were handed to them. But they worked very, very hard and they were very, very successful. And they had great things. They had beautiful water houses. They had boats. They have vacation homes. They go on great trips. God bless them. Uh, you know, I'm somewhere in the middle. You know, I did pretty good coming from nothing. I, I've been able to take care of my family, send everybody to college, including myself. Um, I, I try and do the right thing. I try and help people wherever I can. But I'm kind of in the middle. You know, could I have better things? Could I do more? I don't know. I probably could have made different decisions when I was younger. 
But I had I had drive, and that's the difference. I have drive and drive and drive, and I'm still driving today. That's why I'm here talking to you. So when we look at this and we see this this opportunity is is out there for everyone, that's what we need to get back to. And I'm hoping that in the next election cycle, people will open their eyes, look around them, get away from their party craziness, and say, what is really good for me, for my family, and for my country? Right? What is good for me, my family, and my country? And let me go, even, even if I have to, oh my gosh, vote for somebody who has evil tweets. Will the country be better? Will it be safer? Will it be stronger? Will it be financially better? Will it be a safer world for everybody so that you can walk down the street and not get raped, robbed, and murdered? That would be really good, wouldn't it? For all our friends, all our friends who live in urban environments, who are dying every single day, who are being robbed and raped every single day. Wouldn't it be nice to have law and order back in those places so the decent people there can live a decent life? Uh, I would vote for that. That's what I'd be voting for. Um, so I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm hoping that people will come to their senses and do the right thing. It's okay. Like I've said many times, our friends on the left have good ideas. They do. They have good ideas and their hearts are usually in the right place. Uh, they want to do good for people. They want to help people who are downtrodden. Of course, that's all good. We should all be wanting to do that. The problem is the way they do it. You know, the, the activities that they take to get there uh, the thought patterns that go with it uh, just don't work. Like, do we need to uh, reform our criminal justice system? I think we do. We've spoken on this many times. I think there's lots of things we can change in our criminal justice system. There's lots of things we can change with what we expect from our law enforcement community. You know, if we if we want to change some, we can do those things, and that could maybe make it a little bit better. But defunding the police, getting rid of the police, hating the police, lying about the police attacking the police, refusing to listen to the police, uh, that's only going to uh, escalate into uh, crime everywhere because you, what you get is the Ferguson effect from law enforcement. Officers back off. Okay, uh, I'm just going to answer my calls. I am not going to go and get myself indicted or, or lose my job and my pension for doing my job, right? So what they do is they back off and they only answer calls they get sent to. And I can tell you right now, anybody that knows anything about law and order and justice out in the streets will tell you the only thing that keeps a neighborhood safe is aggressive, proactive police work. Officers riding around looking for the troublemakers, no matter who they are, no matter what neighborhood they're in, and keeping them from hurting, robbing, and raping everybody else in the neighborhood, right? That is how you protect people. And if we don't get our heads right around this and say, okay, there are things we can do, but getting rid of the cops, going against law enforcement, going against uh, doing the right thing to keep us all safe, that is crazy. And that is adding to the downward spiral. 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 Imagine that. I can put nine words together and not come out with the one I wanted. Right? That's part of the spiral downhill that we're going. So I, I don't want to be negative. I think we can turn it around. You have to talk to your friends. You have to talk to people and try and talk some sense into them. Um, we just had a conversation the other day, and I, I won't say who with, but some friends of ours who mm, were a mixed combination, a conservative and liberal together in a relationship, and they got along beautifully because they didn't deal with politics very much. They just had different beliefs about things. And one of them has a family who's very, 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 very liberal. And 
this person who's liberal st is starting to see the world a little differently as they get a little more time on the planet, they get a little more experience, they get a little more uh, work history, they get a little more income, and suddenly things that seemed like the right thing uh, just 10 years earlier, maybe it's really not the way to go. Maybe it's more dangerous the way things are now. Maybe it's not as good for my child now uh, because of all those things that I believe. And they're starting to change their belief. But what this person was saying is that, oh, yeah, um, but I got to tell you, my uh, my dad, uh, who's on the left, I asked him, Dad, don't you see the, the reality of the economy falling apart? That this whole COVID thing controlled us for two and a half years, destroyed. But don't I'm starting to see that that I didn't see before. Don't you see that? And he goes, "Well, I guess I don't pay much attention to that. It's 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 better that we did that than we had that orange man around, right?" And this goes back to what I started talking about in the beginning of our little get together today. This unbridled, unbridled Trump syndrome, Trump derangement syndrome that people have. Is prevent, preventing people from seeing anything for what's real, and that's that's really a shame. But this is this is where people are going. Um, some people are changing, some others aren't. But you have to talk to people, give them examples, right? We most of us who who try and talk to people have examples. Uh, when you see an argument devolves into a screaming match where they just call you names, you know you've won the argument because they don't have facts; they have feelings. And even if the facts don't match, uh, Joe Biden, right? We're not going to let the facts get in the way, of, you know, let the truth get in the way of the facts or whatever he said. He said it backwards. Um, that's that's a, a, a harebrained way to think about things. You know, uh, you may have to change your thought pattern if you open your eyes clearly. Uh, I've seen many things on the left that I said, you know, I never thought of it like that before. How can I adjust what I do and believe with my new information? I don't think our friends on the left really do that. And I think that's part of the problem. So recently there was a, I don't know if it was an article that I read, but there was a study um, about, uh, we, we know that there's more depression going on now in our country than there ever has been before, right? There's more, more suicide for adults and young people than there has ever been before. We know that people uh, are facing this depression that, you know, depression's always been with us. It's part of the human condition, but it seems to be really pronounced Nowadays, we're seeing so much more uh, effect of depression, people giving up on things, bad relationships, alcoholism, drugs, uh, and suicide, right? Very, very terrible. Um, so they did this study on teenagers, and they said, let's look at the psychological strength of our teenagers. And what they found was in this study, and this was, I, I'm not going to say what school it was. It was a big school, one of the bigger uh, research schools. I just can't remember the name at the moment. And I sent myself the article too. Shame on me for not writing that down in my pages of outrages here. Um, but anyway, the study showed very, very clearly that between young people, uh, conservative kids, kids who focused more, uh, identified more as conservative, uh, as people... Um, as people that saw things in a more conservative way, more patriotic, uh, more religious, went to church. Uh, they found that they were happier and better adjusted in life than kids who saw things from a more liberal perspective. For kids who saw things um, with that, with that left-wing kind of a bent to things, they were more depressed, they were more upset, they were more angry. 
uh, and what this study was trying to say is, you know, first of all, they're saying it's shocking, shocking um, that kids who are patriotic, uh, love their family, go to church, have something bigger than them uh, in their lives, uh, uh, are, are better off psychologically, right? Uh, they're not depressed. They're, they're much more ambitious. They're much more uh, vital. They're living a better life. They're not depressed. Uh, this was the finding of this study, and I think that can go in both ways because when you look at it, what they were saying was what they when they talked to all these kids when they did these interviews, however they did this study, was that the kids who were who saw themselves identified as as liberal um, or progressive or socialist and all this, they had a tendency to um, make everything into a catastrophe. That, that's what they used in the article: catastrophize. Uh, catastrophizing everything in their life. Everything's a catastrophe and it's all bad. The world's going to come to an end and climate change is going to kill us and everybody's racist and the country's horrible and you can't live here. That's all negative. That is all negative. Um, and if you give yourself negative thoughts, uh, you, will, you will feel more negative and therefore you'll be more depressed. It makes perfect sense to me. So when I read this article, um, I said, yeah, that, that does make sense because I see my friends who are on the left, uh, my family members who are on the left, man, they are upset all the time. That's because you got white privilege. You did a joke. I got no white privilege. I, like I told you, I came from nothing. I earned everything I got here. Uh, nobody gives me privilege for anything. Um, I just have a different point of view. I go to church. I believe in God. I think there is a higher power, right, that's out there that, that I need to um, glorify, that I need to revere, that I need to listen to the lessons uh, that come from God and how to interact with other people makes me feel better about life. I'm not depressed when my friends on the left, they don't have God in their lives, most of them. And if they do, they say they have God, but they disagree. You know, the people in the church, they're all bad. You know, those priests are bad. I can't listen to them. But they go to church because eh, maybe it's habit. I don't know. But they certainly don't live... Um, they don't live through with these things in, in as part of their life, and they are more depressed. So I found that article really, really very interesting, um, and I think it points out something that's that's really true. You know, the the traditional America, the traditional America is what they're saying. The kids who are more conservative are more traditional American. Um, they believe in God. They believe in America. They believe in family. Uh, they have pride in their nation. They have pride in their families. Uh, they strive. They work hard. They have goals. They have dreams. And they're not out protesting everybody every minute um, as things, you know. And, and that's there's something to be said there. And I thought this article was, was really good. You can go look it up. Um, why are conservative kids not as depressed as their liberal counterparts, I think, or something. I think that's what it was called. You put those words into the, one of the search engines, you'll find the article. Very, very interesting. All right. Um, as I as I move through through these different things, and we, we talk a little bit about justice, I think we'll shift gears a little bit here for a minute, and we'll talk about uh, justice in a couple of cases that that have come up recently. There was a young lady uh, who was who had been kidnapped six years ago. Now you see that headline: girl kidnapped six years ago uh, recovered, and you say to yourself, "Holy moly!" Uh, you think about a kidnapping, you think about, you know, to creep in the van, grabbing the kid and taking off. And that happens. That happens a lot, a lot more than we, we would like to think about. But there are people out there that do that. Uh, in this case, as you, as you start to read the article, you realize it was a parental kidnapping. 
you know, that's when the mom or the dad uh, who don't have custody, the family breaks up or whatever, and they decide, uh, I'm taking my kid and getting out of here for lots of reasons, right? Um, it can be that, hey, maybe the other parent is abusive, or I believe the other parent is physically, mentally, or whatever, abusive to the child, and therefore me and the child are getting out of here. Uh, even though I don't have custody, I'm taking my kid for what's better for my kid. Sometimes it's a negative reason. Uh, all right, really? You think you're getting the kid? Well, I hate you now, but I'm taking the kid and going, and you don't have the kid. So there's lots of different reasons why people do this parental kidnapping. But it's that is uh, that that happens so often uh, anymore. And you got to say, well, what's the what's the reason? Well, we all know when people break up, how how negative they can be to each other. Um, they make up things about each other. They they lie. They do whatever they can do to get advantage. Uh, because that seems to be the thing to do. Um, very few uh, relationships you see when they break up, they go, okay, what's good for the kids? What's good for the kids? And let's do that. Uh, instead, they go, hey, what's good for me? Or I'm going to get back at you and this and that and the other. And they use kids as pawns. I've seen it, uh, it more times than I like to like to say. As a cop, go into houses where these arguments were going on, these custody disputes, these battles. And even some of the people I know personally who got uh, divorced, uh, whose families broke up, and how they behaved with each other. And I've seen people use the children as pawns uh, against each other. And it is, it is brutal for the children. Uh, they grow up uh, damaged from that kind of behavior, even, though if they, even if they look okay. Later on in life, you see that many of them do have problems. Um, they maybe they have relationship problems and they can't maintain a relationship. Uh, you know, I've seen that in my own personal life uh, not too long ago. Not me, not Lieutenant Joe, but somebody I know very, very well, very closely, um, was betrayed by someone that they thought was was true blue and was good and was all. And turns out, whole another life going on behind the scenes, and it was really, really painful for everybody. Well, children learn those patterns. You know, maybe they learn that. You leave when you don't like things. You don't worry. You take whatever. This parental kidnapping, I saw that, and it was very sad. The other thing I saw out there is, um, we, we, I don't know, sometimes we forget. You know, remember John Benet? That case has never been solved. I, I talk about it. I use it as part of a, of a lecture series when I talk about criminal investigation. But Natalie Holloway, this was the high school girl who went to Aruba with her girlfriends for a spring break, and she never came home. She's never been found. Uh, this this guy Jordan Vandersloot, who's in uh, who's in a prison in I think he's in Peru. I want to say he's in Peru for murdering another girl uh, on the exact anniversary date of the day Natalie went missing. Very strange, right? But he murdered that girl, and he's in prison there uh, for that murder. And they they are trying to extradite him back to the United States to stand trial for some charges here for uh, for fraud. Apparently, he took money from Natalie's mother. You know, I'll pay you this money if you tell me where my daughter's body is. And he said, oh, okay, I'll tell you, I'll tell you. He took the money and he, of course, he never, he never gave up um, where Natalie, uh, where she, her last resting place ended up being. But that's in, that's in the news now. And we have to look at that and go, how painful that must be um, that this guy will not just give up, give up the place. Where is this girl's body to bring her home so that there can be closure for this family. So when I, when I deal with a lot of these things, um, it, it, when you do a career in law enforcement, you kind of get used to this brutality that people do to each other. And it, it, it 
I'm not going to say it slides off your back, but you get used to it and you're not surprised by it. Um, and and I, let me clear that up. While I'm not surprised by it anymore, I am still horrified by it. I am still absolutely horrified by the things that people do to each other, whether it's the little things to hurt each other or the big things that they do to hurt each other. So I think we'll, we'll finish up our, our little episode here by let me tell you about a, a really interesting story. If you're interested in law enforcement and, and criminal justice and all that kind of stuff, uh, I put out a book recently. Uh, my publisher is Blue 360 Media. They are excellent. They serve the law enforcement lawyers uh, world with a lot of their publications. My book is kind of a crossover because what I'm doing is I took a story of a real uh, brutal double homicide that I investigated uh, and I used that as the backdrop for teaching criminal investigation, how to, how to work a case like this. And the story in and of itself is really very interesting. It has, it has all the elements you could want in a novel, in a story, or a movie. Um, there are real organized crime people involved in this case. There is the brutality of the murders. There is sex. There is betrayal. Uh, there's drugs. You name it. All these things are involved in this story. Uh, and you can get the book, and I encourage you to go get the book. You can get it here on the, on the platform at America Out Loud. You go there. My books are there. The interview the, and the investigation is the new one. Well, you can go to the publisher, blue360media.com. Pop on there, put in uh, Joe Pangaro and the investigation, and get your copy. They also have it as a, uh, a Kindle reader and this and that. Um, but if you're interested in, in investigation, if you're interested in true crime, the story in itself, uh, I'm also turning around into a screenplay. Because it's, it's a very, very interesting story. Uh, and if you like those kind of things, a lot of people are, are crime story buffs, go get the book. And I think you'll enjoy it. The Investigation by Joe Pangaro from Blue360Media.com. Or get it here on the, uh, in the bookstore at America Out Loud. Well, my friends, that brings us to the end of this episode. Uh, I had a good time being here. I always like being here. I thank you for being here with me. And remember, be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem. And we'll see you down the road.